G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're chatting with Pastor Cole Stringer, otherwise known as Pastor Crocodile Dundee. And you can see a picture of Cole and his wife, Jan, on our Facebook page. You can go to facebook.com forward slash vision radio. We're asking the question there, should our schools be teaching on Australia's Christian heritage? I've uh, got a few comments coming in already. You can make a comment there or call through when we open the phone lines shortly. And uh, Cole is at the Gold Coast at the moment. Uh, welcome along, Cole. Is there any uh, bushfires near you, mate? Are you you're safe at the moment? Oh, yes, we're safe. Uh, fine. I, I sort of live on the water, but a lot of smoke haze coming down here, probably as bad as I think I've ever seen it. So it's sort of, you know, I just feel for the, the people up there right in the area with the fires and the fireys. You know, just how tough it must be for them. Mm. So, you know, people losing houses and, uh, you know, the stock, the wildlife. I mean, horrendous whole colonies of koalas getting wiped out. It's sort of really, really, really bad. Yeah, I've got some friends uh, who are also vision listeners who live at Glen Innes and they were evacuated on the weekend, uh, had to go to Tenerfield and um, it's been just devastation in that part of the country and many other parts are, uh, you know, they're saying it's catastrophic level uh, yesterday and, you know, different uh, areas today, lots of uh, fires out there. Mate, there's a lot of people struggling right now. Why don't we join together, Pastor Cole? Would you lead us in some prayer for our nation right now, mate? I'd be honoured to. Lord, we just come before you right now, Father, and just lift up uh, the people and the, the properties, the firemen that are involved in these horrendous fires. Lord, we just, uh, Lord, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy on our land. We just ask, Lord, for for rain, for for the conditions to be more favourable to the firefighters. Lord, we just pray for the protection of those people, for the landowners, the the homeowners, people that are lives and properties are being threatened right now. Father, we just pray also for the wildlife, the stock that are involved, Lord, because we know that you care even for them. So, Lord, we just come before you now and just ask humbly, Lord, just for that, for your grace, for your mercy, and, Lord, just for the right weather conditions, we just ask for rain. Lord, we just thank you. We just give you the praise, the glory now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Cole, for uh, leading us in prayer, and uh, we'll continue to be uh, praying. You know, I often think of that verse in Luke 18, the the parable of the persistent widow. You know, she just kept going before the judge and saying, grant me justice. And and, uh, Jesus said, this is why we should pray and never give up. We should just continue to be praying. And uh, praise God that uh, the... It wasn't as bad yesterday as it had been predicted, and uh, let's pray that... Yeah, that's uh, right. That's right. Mm. I mean, apparently it came uh, within 18 kilometres of the the Harbour Bridge in Sydney. That's that's horrendous. Wow. Mm. Certainly uh, something we need to keep praying for. Now, Cole, uh, we've got a, a great topic to tackle today with you. You've been very outspoken recently about the importance of communicating our Christian heritage in our schools. And you're doing this more and more regularly, keeping it alive amidst of the latest curriculum changes. 
I know you're very passionate about this. Uh, just tell us a bit about why you're so passionate about this subject. Well, uh, you know, a nation that really doesn't uh, know or appreciate its heritage really has no future, uh, to quote Winston Churchill. And, uh, you know, we're just woefully ignorant, really, of, of our Christian heritage in this country. The foundations of our nation is Christianity, uh, you know, nothing else, and that's uh, you can't get away from your roots. I think about this, like even our, our every school, every hospital, our legal system, all have their roots in Christianity. Um, take our legal system. It's based on a thing called Westminster. Westminster's based on a thing called Magna Carta. Magna Carta was written by a man of God using the Bible as his reference point. Uh, for instance, uh, jurisprudence, innocent till proven guilty, comes directly from the Bible. When uh, God saw that Moses uh, needed help, so he was told to appoint leaders of what? tens and twenties and fifties and hundreds, that's the basis for our local government, state government, federal government. <clears throat> We're not as smart as we think we are. And it bothers me, and my wife ta teaches RE in the schools, like even today, and she just comes home, you know, sometimes in tears because the kids know virtually nothing of their Christian heritage, uh, you know, very little even about the Bible. Uh, we pastored in the United States for a few years, and they're very proud of their heritage. And I remember taking my kids <clears throat> to a uh, Civil War reenactment. They're all dressed up in their uniforms, you know, and they're firing cannons. Uh, to this day, my kids still remember that because it imprints on them. But uh, if you talk to Willie, I mean, uh, I was watching a quiz program not long ago, and they asked uh, some, one of the young people, you know, what, uh, what war Anzac was, and the guy, the kid says, "What's Anzac?" And I'm not joking. And uh, the, the quiz master said, "Like, what planet are you from? Don't you even know that? What What are you taught at school?" You know, it, it's really sad that we know more about the, the pyramids and the pharaohs and American history than we do our own. And that's not putting the, any of that down. But Scripture tells us in Psalm 94, I think it is. I'll check it up here in a minute but to teach your children their godly heritage, not some other country's godly heritage. Teach your children their own godly heritage. Like, we're not talking about history. It's interesting, but get your dictionary out. History is the study of dates, places, events, people. But heritage is something of value that's passed, that passed down from generation to generation. And God is into heritage. The first, what, 12, 14 verses of the New Testament deal with nothing but heritage. talks about so-and-so begat and begat and passing it on. In fact, if you remember, in the book of Hebrews, it says, uh, um, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. That's pretty strong language, and if you look it up, the reason is because uh, Esau sold his heritage, sold it just for a bowl of porridge. So it's important to God, like, Names mean things. We're, Australia means southern land of the Holy Spirit. That's breaking it. La Australia de del Espíritu Santo. Southern land of the Holy Spirit. That's what it actually means. So names are important to God. They don't mean anything to you and me. Uh, my eldest boy was called Shane after the Western Gunfighter movie, Shane. But my second son is called Mark because in God's uh, eyes, names mean things. 
when God changes a man's character, he changes the name. Simon becomes Peter. Saul becomes Paul. Why? Because he doesn't like the name. No, because names indicate character and destiny. And we, along with New Zealand and the islands of the Pacific, are the region that's known as land of the Holy Spirit. So that's how important it is to God. So if it's important to God, it's important to me. And as I say, uh, we probably put, what, nearly four or 5,000 of our books into schools. And, uh, you know, that because I believe the next generation, if we believe the next generation is worth investing in, we have to do something. They're not going to learn it, you know, in a classroom. They're not going to learn it, obviously, from the government. So it's going to have to come, I believe, from the believers, Christians. And uh, that's the reason I think it's so important. As I say, uh, I think it was even Karl Marx said, he said, uh, you know, if you give me the first the, the few years of a generation, I'll take the whole I'll take the whole country. Mm. And it, it saddens me that we are so ignorant of our own Christian heritage. Uh, take our prime ministers. I would say that 90% of our prime ministers openly acknowledge some sort of faith. I don't say they're raving Pentecostals, but some sort of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you know, that how important must, must that be? And... Uh, our, our current Prime Minister is a born-again believer, which I, I, I think is wonderful. You know, that doesn't mean he may, may not make some mistakes, but we've got a leader that at least has an ear to God. So, you ask me, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, Cole. Now, I know that you do travel around to schools a bit. Tell us a bit about what you're seeing when you're te- uh, speaking to school, school kids and teachers about this. What, what are you seeing right now in 2019? Uh basically ignorant. Uh, I spoke even to a whole bunch of school teachers about three hours. <laughs> now, I, I got to, up front, I'm not a historian. I don't claim to be a historian, but I'm uh, passionate. So, you know, I've done a lot of study, and so I'm speaking to about 300 school teachers, and I said, you know, it bothers me that you don't even t- hardly teach anything of Australian history anymore. We know more, as I say, about the pharaohs and, and, and the, the pyramids and one teacher said to me, well, Australian history is boring. It's not boring at all if you study it out. And uh, one teacher came up to me with more degrees than a thermometer, like Dr. Fahrenheit. <laughs> and she says, what planet are you from? I've got degrees. You know? And I said, well, it's not what I say. It's what these people say themselves. I said, I can give you quotes of at least 100 books where these people, uh, this is what they're saying themselves. So if you're going to quote someone like James Cook or Charles Sturt or some of our, you know, our most prominent forefathers, don't you think it's at least fair to quote what they said themselves, not what they meant to say, should have said, or somebody's interpretation, but what the people say themselves? Like Charles Sturt, men, you know, down the Murray River, he's a full-on born-again Christian, carries a Bible with him wherever he goes, out in the desert. They're about to die, they think, but they take communion every day. Mm. Uh, he says, band and throw away anything you like, but nobody touches my Bible. He talks about a love for the Aboriginal people. I mean, we're all supposed to be rednecks and everything, but he talks about a love for the Aboriginal people. It says, you know, treat them as, as, as brothers and sisters, you know. He says, you know, and things like that, which we have virtually no understanding of at all. 
Uh, you asking me, uh, we were down a few years ago on the Murray River, on the very banks of the Murray River in a city there, and I'm um, doing a heritage rally, rally in a high school. So we all dressed up in period costume. You know, Jen was dressed up as and Mrs. Sturd, I was Charles Sturd, different other ones, and we're talking in the first person. So I could see half the kids didn't even know what I was. This is the Murray River, like, you know, where Sturt had been. So I said, uh, the one young guy said, do you know who I'm talking about? Charles Sturt. He says, oh, is that like Dr. Spock from Star Trek? (laughs) I'm not joking. I'm not making it up. You don't have to make things up. And that's how sad it is. Like, Jen comes on... from teaching Ari in schools, uh, she's not a drinker, but she comes home and says, I need a stiff whiskey quicker, I'm going to kill somebody, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, just the stress of it to even... And it, it's it's sad. It, it's really very sad. If, if you're proud of your nation, proud of your heritage, why wouldn't we be teaching it in our schools? You know, Alfred Deacon, Prime Minister of this country three times, Three occasions he's Prime Minister. I've heard him portrayed as a spiritualist, which he was before he accepted the Lord. But then he writes a book, 600 documented prayers for this country. He talks about that, you know, Jesus is the light of the world, the hope of the future, and my Lord and Saviour. You know, John Laws was, and I like John Laws, I like his program, but he was talking about uh, Deacon being a spiritual, so I rang him up and I said, well, can I quote what the man says himself? Not what you say, or I say, but this is what he says himself. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, never got much of a reply, but, <laughs> you know, I put it out there. So yeah, I, I like Tony Blair. He used to be, you know, UK Prime Minister, and he said, never apologise for your values. And I just think it's time to stand up and speak up and refuse to shut up. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will win me a lot of friends, I can tell you now. But I think our women have got more guts than the men. If you see, my wife is very, you know, spoke, outspoken, Margaret Court, and you'll find some of the leading people that are actually standing up and speaking up are women. Uh, that's sad. <laughs> that really is sad, I think, anyway. Well, so, it's... Say, we're not talking history, we're talking heritage. Yes. And we've got uh, Fran from Benora Point. How are you, Fran? Hello, how are you? Good. Have you got a question or a comment for Pastor Cole? Well, I've got a comment. I agree thoroughly with him that we're neglecting teaching our Christian heritage um, at the school. Good morning, Fran. Good morning to you. Um, We appreciate your reading your books. We've got a number of your books that we've used in the past and, um, you know, very grateful that there's somebody like you out there. (laughs) Well, thank you. And I understand that your dad had been a POW. Yeah, my dad was a prisoner of war in the Second World War, and I just this year I've um, published a book about him called it's called the POW's Letters: Life, Love, and Resilience. But my dad That's was a right. Christian man, and it's written really um, because I believe his Christian faith was in evidence right throughout his life, even with all yes. the experiences he went through. Yes. Well, it's certainly a wonderful uh, thing to sustain you when you're going through something like that. Yeah, there's one one statement which I love because my book really consists of the letters he wrote home to his mother um, from prison camp and also other writings of his. 
But he wrote this, I've learnt a lot and perhaps I've unlearnt a lot more. I've learned how to sing the songs of Zion in a strange land and they've never been so sweet. I've been hungry and thirsty as I've never been, but I've been satisfied and more than thankful because I've had the bread and water of life. I've found that this thing we believe in works. Yes, it works all right. In spite of everything, the Christian exalts. And he'd been in prison, prisoner of war camp, for one year when he wrote that. And uh, I just think it's wonderful. <laughs> the, man, the, the man that led us to the Jen and I to the Lord, one of the reasons we came to the Lord, he'd been a prisoner in a Japanese prisoner of war camp and right. been really bad, badly treated. In fact, his leg was never any good again. But I couldn't just get over. He had no hatred whatsoever. He had no hatred, animosity. Uh, no, my dad was us. the same. Mm. Yeah, see, my, my dad fought in New Guinea and my mum's brother won the military cross on New Guinea. But they hated the Japanese with a passion and, until they were saved. But and yeah. I, here's this man was relating to me and been so badly treated and he had no hatred. I, I just didn't know how to handle that. So... He eventually led Jan and I to the Lord as a result of that. Yeah, well, my dad, part of his story is um, after the war, several years after the war, there was a letter sent to him from a German that used to have... My dad was the acting padre. He, he was a signaller, but there was no padre for the um, Australians in his camp or the British. So he was the acting padre for some time. And he had... A German used to have to sort of censor his his sermons and then sit in church to make sure that he didn't say anything he shouldn't. But yes. um, this man was a Christian. And after the war, he wrote a letter to my father, you know, his name, care of the Salvation Army, Hurstville, Australia, because he knew my father had belonged to the Salvation Army. And yes. uh, my dad got that letter and corresponded with him, but... My dad wrote a little article about that at one stage, about they were two Christian brothers. And uh, when my dad was being transferred from one camp to another, um, this man, Hans Losch, gave him a little bit of paper with two Bible references on about how to treat your enemy. And it had his parents' address on it. And uh, when he was thoroughly searched, my dad, at the next camp, they found it. And he never knew what happened to Hans as a result, but my dad was sort of questioned pretty forcibly about it. But yes. his comment was, we were just two Christian brothers on opposite yes. sides in the war, but with a common faith. Mm. Well, the, uh, I, I wrote a book on fighting Mackenzie. He was a salvation. Yes, man. we've got that, that book. Yeah, yeah. One wonderful, wonderful man. He led something like 3,000 young men to the Lord in combat, in combat situations. And just, see, that's another part of our heritage. Uh, I went to Gympie, um, sorry, uh, yeah, Gympie. And uh, they, uh, that's where uh, Fighting Mackenzie had originally come from. And I noticed there was a statue out the front of the city to, uh, to uh, what's the flyer's name? I've just got to think of it myself. Um, Bert Hinkler. Bert Hinkler. All right, yes. But there was nothing, nothing about Mackenzie. Now, he is the most popular man in the country, apart from Billy Hughes, the Prime Minister. Something like 50,000 diggers turned out to welcome Mackenzie when he came home again, and there's nothing there. 
And I said to the mayor, you know, I said, that's really sad. I said, there's no statue, there's nothing to commemorate this man. I said, uh, you know, at least there should be something that should be taught in the schools. Anyway, it's just another part of our heritage that's being lost. And I think it will be a much sadder country when we lose sight of the fact that Christian influence has been for the good of the country. And it seems, you know, these days it's just being pushed aside and um, that's very sad and it doesn't bide well for our country, does it? No, it it doesn't, it doesn't. And, Mm. like, uh, see, if you even look at our flag, I mean, it has how how many many crosses on it? Besides the Southern Cross, you've got the crosses from St George. Now, if our country had been founded by Japanese, there'd be a Japanese flag there somewhere, or Chinese, or Russian, or French, but it was founded by Christians, and that's the whole thing. You can't change your heritage. They may not like it, they may not even agree with it, but the fact is, that is our heritage, and it needs it to be taught. It is our heritage, yes. And I find that maybe 90% of our founding fathers openly acknowledge some sort of James Cook carries a Bible with him wherever he goes. He names places like Trinity Bay, with Sunday Passage, Providential Islands. Obviously, the man's not a Hindu. You know, uses his Bible. He takes divine services aboard the ship every Sunday. Well, why weren't we taught that? He talks about the hand of God saving his life when the ship was wrecked on... Uh, you know, on Endeavour Reef. But we know uh, Charles Sturt, on we go, Charles McDuel-Stewart, Edward John Eyre, all quote Bible scriptures, all talk about their faith in the Lord. But I was yes. never taught anything like that at school. The life yes, no, I agree. I mean, yeah. One reason I wrote this um, this book for my, uh, my dad's letters, and then I've researched all around it, was because within my family, I'm the eldest of six, but I've got quite a lot of family members that don't know the Lord and I thought this is part of our family spiritual heritage and I was just going to type up all the letters and then I thought no this is history this is Australian history and it needs to be put out there with the spiritual content that is part of our history as well well friend we do have to go thanks very much for your call friend Right, thank you very much. God bless you. God bless. And if you'd like to call through and join the conversation, call now on 1-800-316-316. We've got Elizabeth from Tweed Heads. How are you, Elizabeth? Oh, good morning. Yes, and good morning to Cole. Um, I've got morning, another piece of, um, of Australian history which needs to be brought to light. Um, there's a lady called Amelia Bayertz. She's, um, she was a Jewish Christian lady evangelist and there is a book written about her but um, that was the only way that I got to hear about her Um, and let me just tell you a comment from 14 Australian church ministers written in 1889 there is not a city and scarcely a town or hamlet in Victoria where men and women one to to Christ through her instrumentality are not to be found. Wow. A, she was an amazing person. She managed to get to, this is before Federation, before there were good roads between um, colonies. She managed to get to South Australia, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, 
um, Tasmania, and uh, oh, wow. she also went to New Zealand. She was really, really um, well acclaimed. She worked a lot with the Baptists, I think, um, but um, she was a member of the YWCA, which was a Christian organisation at that stage. Right. Um, yeah, so an amazing woman with an amazing testimony of how the Lord brought her to um, have a ministry like that. What are your I thoughts on that, Cole? Well, I was just thinking that how many people must have been in our past, our heritage, that did you know some wonderful things like this that we don't even know anything about. Like yeah. the gospel was taken to... Uh, to Vanuatu by a lady, and I, I can't think of her name at the moment, but she also went from Gimpy. I mean, she looked like something out of uh, Mary Poppins, the way she was dressed. But when the when the White Australia policy came in and they sent the Kanakas back, she went back with them and took the gospel. I mean, they were still killing each other and everything. And I've got a photograph, and she looked like Mary Poppins. But you would wow. never have heard of these people. And I'm, it saddens me that so much of our heritage has just been lost and nobody yes. knows anything about it. Yes, well, um, this would have been in... I'm um, in my 70s, and this would have been in my great-grandparents' era. And uh, I've never heard a word of her. How come? Well, what about the same with the revivals? We talk about, you know, the Welsh Revival, the Zusa Street, but there's been 70 documented revivals here. Like in Melbourne in the mid-1980s, it says here, there was a move of God's attendance a total of a quarter of a million each week, and when the population of the whole state was only one million, one quarter of them were in revival and attending church regularly. But we know nothing about these things. You know, people just look at you like... You know, you look on the window of a fish shop. I mean, what's going on? But there were revivals. There were revivals all over the nation. There was a move of God in Windsor in 1841 when people were slain in the streets. They didn't even get inside the churches. They were falling in the street. There's been yeah. revival in South Australia, revival in Warwick, Toowoomba, you know, and even people, like even ministers, even myself, virtually know nothing about it at all. Mm. So... It's part of our heritage that we, we are fast losing. Yeah, was... well, well, there is a book about this lady now. Um, she was published in 2017. Um, but, wow, there needs to be much more. Anyway, thought I'd throw that into the mix. Thanks you so much for your call today, Elizabeth. Thank you. And we've got Bruce from Miles in New South Wales. How are you, Bruce? Yeah, it's Queensland, mate, not New South Wales. <laughs> yeah, how you going today, mate? Yeah, I'm getting there, mate. I uh, just wanted to uh, share with you guys about, you may know of the fellow called Gordon Nager, Aboriginal guy. Cole, have you heard of him? I know Gordon. I've had Gordon come to Darwin and speak in my church. Well, there you go. Did you hear about the funeral that was held in Bundaberg for Gordon? Over a thousand people turned up to his funeral, even the commissioner of police in Queensland went to his funeral. That's how well he was respected as a man of God in this country. He, how, how long ago did he did he pass on? Gordon Nagus, or probably about 15, 20 years. I'm not sure about that. 
Oh, I didn't realise. No, we had him come to Darwin. Uh, we had a group of Aboriginal uh, ministers in our church, the Morgans, Peter Morgan, some of those people. And uh, Gordon came up and did some meetings for us on a long time. This would be back in the 1980s. But, uh, yeah, a good fellow, a great minister of the word. Yeah, well, when I was a young child near Bundaberg Airport, in the bush was an Aboriginal shack, and, and I used to sleep underneath the, 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 um, the ready-made old bench while Gordon Nagus was preaching in that shack. I was, I was probably around about six years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was well, amazing. There's, there's, another, there's another fellow that it's lost, that somebody needed to really write a story about him, you know. Uh, I just helped uh, Bishop Harry Westcott, who would be, you know, sort of Christian royalty in this country, well up in his 80s, and he's just put out his first book, and I helped him do it. It's called In His Grip. And he talks. He was out there working with the Aboriginals, but in northwest Western Australia, out in Mount Tom Price and those areas. And uh, when we were in Darwin, we were, you know, there was a move of God out of Elkhoa Island, with hundreds and hundreds of Aboriginals got saved. And I think Gordon was part of that as well. You know, you know, Rodney Howard Brown. You can see it on YouTube. Actually, went out to a small Aboriginal community and preached. To the Aboriginal people. I'm not sure whereabouts in Australia it was, but um, somewhere out near Longreach or somewhere. And um, there was a number of people who got born again and spirit filled in those, in those meetings that he held. And um, it's not only about the Aboriginals of this country, it's about us Australian people as well. You know, they're Australians too, but you, you know where I'm coming from. There is a, there is a heart, a... a, 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 a um, a complacent heart that is within a lot of the Australian people, and it's got to be the spirit of God which actually awakens and 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 squashes that spirit of complacency within the people of Australia, so they can hear the gospel. I'm sure that, you, that's a good thing. That's what binds us together. Like there's a natural heritage if you're an Aboriginal or Japanese or Chinese or Irish. That's your natural heritage. But when we get born again, this is this brings us all together because it's our Christian heritage. It's you know, it, it, there's no Jew, there's no Greek, and it brings us together. And that's what the nation desperately needs—something that'll bring us together, you know, unite us instead of dividing us. And you know, the the Commonwealth of Australia Constitution, 1901, was built on the King James, the habeas corpus, the. Uh, uh, Commonwealth of England 1900 Constitution, that there has been absolute, absolutely based on, on Christian principles. Um, Cook and Garam were Christian people as well. That's how their constitution was taken around all the colonies around Australia. Um, you know, for the people to, to actually build the constitution and modify what he had actually drawn up. Then it was sent to the Queen in England to, to sign it. And that's been our constitution until 1986 when the, the, the crooked politicians actually wrote one called the Australia Constitution, chapter 15. They deleted all the content, added another couple of pages and wrote all their garbage without a referendum, which is an act of treason according to our 1901 
Commonwealth of Australia constitution. So uh, that's all part of the heritage, mate. The whole bang a lot of it, and I've talked for hours on that subject, which I won't at the moment, but there, there is an awakening that's got to come to the Australian people of our true heritage, of our Christian heritage, where there is... And I met back in the old days, it was called the Great South Land of the Holy Ghost. And, and we are going to see, and when I was in Christian Outlook Center many years ago, there was, a, there was one of the, one of the guys actually got up, he'd seen a vision, he saw the Lord's hand slide under Australia and tip it up. And all the people of Australia who, who, who were evangelists and so forth pulled out into all the other nations. And I stand upon those sort of prophecies. There was Smith Wigglesworth. There's been many of them that have prophesied over our nation. But we will see a mighty move in this country. It's the last frontier is another prophetic word that's been put over Australia. So we will see a mighty revival in this nation. See, we've we've already seen God use the nation because from Australia, when the gospel came here, was carried to New Guinea. From New Guinea, it was to Vanuatu, to Fiji, to New Guinea, even up into yep. Singapore. Like uh, yep. a little while ago, I was up in Singapore, and I was talking to some of the pastors, like Joseph Prince has a church of 34,000. The other guy, can't, um, anyway, there's another one of about 30,000. And I couldn't yeah. work out why, being Chinese, they would have you know be Christian. So I asked one of them, they said, well... Look, when we were kids, our parents wanted us to have the best education, so they sent us to Christian schools. And the one that yeah. they just happened to go to had been founded and staffed by Australians. So you can see yeah. the gospel has been launched from Australia right across the Pacific into New Guinea, into the Southeast Asia. And I think God sees our southern land of the Holy Spirit as like a huge aircraft carrier that carried the gospel into these other lands. So, yes, exactly, yeah. Exciting days ahead. Anyway, mate, good to talk to you, and thanks uh, to let me know they're about Gordon. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, it was an amazing thing. Like you, you couldn't even move in the streets when the funeral was held in Bundaberg for, for Gordon Nagus, you know. It's amazing the respect that the Australian people, the heathen as well, that... that, that um, I had such respect for that man of God, you know. Good on you, Bruce. Thank you so much for your call. All right, guys. Have a good one. God bless you. Bye-bye. And if you'd like to call through, phone lines are open on 1-800-316-316. We're chatting with Pastor Crocodile Dundee, Cole Stringer, and we're talking about the importance of communicating our Christian heritage in schools. Uh, we've got another uh, 15 minutes to focus on the family. Now's the time to call if you want to join the conversation. 1-800-316-316. And we've got Emma from Port Ferry. How are you, Emma? I'm all right, Matt. How are you? Very good. Have you got a question or a comment for Pastor Cole? Uh, yes, I have. A couple, really, to be honest. Hello, Emma. Um, How are you? Um, Hello, Emma. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm good. That's good. Could I ask you one question now? It's about your book, right? Okay. Yes. How long did it take you to write and get that book ready? Uh, which one are you referring to? What were, what were you were talking about before? 
The one about Australia's Christian heritage? Cole, is that the one? Yeah, Christian heritage? Yeah, that's the one, yep. Yep. Okay. I'd say it probably took me close to five years. And tell us a bit about the research you did for it, mate. Okay. Uh, Well, it started off, actually, would you believe, I really believe it was God, because uh, Jan comes from a German background, and so we... We'd gone back to Europe to see where her father had actually come from. And, you know, you're back there. They've got churches a thousand years old and things. I mean, they're just I'm proud of their heritage. But I'd landed in Charles de Gaulle Airport, Paris, France. And I just got off the plane and I was a bit comatose, you know, not a good flyer. And I was standing there and an LL flight touched down and out came maybe 50, 60, 100 Orthodox Jews, you know, black hats, black beards, black ringlets, black overcoats. You don't need a word of knowledge. I wonder if these are Irish tourists or something. They're Orthodox Jews. You know? <laughs> and I was just standing there, and I believe the Spirit of God said, they've not lost their heritage nor sold it in, a, in, in 2,000 years in the diaspora. They may be Russians, but they still identify as Russian Jews. They may be Americans, but they still identify as American Jews. They've never lost it, and they've never sold it. And he asked me, do I know why? And I said, no. So he quoted me Psalm 78, where it talks about he commanded our ancestors to teach them their children, to teach the next generation to come, to teach them their godly heritage. And and I've never seen that before. You know, so it's a command, actually, in Psalm 78, from verses 1 to 8, teaching the children that they may remember, they may place their hope in God and not forget the works of God. Well... We don't teach our kids anything like that, you know. So it, it sort of started me off, and I'm, so I started, and, you know, I probably got, I went to different libraries, research libraries and things. This is a bit before the computers were like they are now, where you can do it all from home. And uh, so that's what I did, and I started uh, accessing books where these, where Cook or Sturt or whoever they are, wrote themselves. And so they're quoting things, and and then I read Manning Clark, Professor Manning Clark, A Short History of Australia. Now, here's a man, he's certainly not a Christian, he's probably, a, well, he's certainly a socialist, maybe even closer to being more communist. But he talks about the founding fathers of Australia had a Christian heritage. Now, here's a man that's not Christian in any ways, but he's talking about that Australia owes a debt to Christianity. And so that, you know, it, it bothers me when we, you get people today, the lefties and the greenies and the tree huggers and crystal lickers, you know, and that, and they're telling you that the church has nothing to do with government. Hey, the, the separation was not meant to keep the church out of government. It was meant to keep the government out of the church. And I believe that we, we need desperately to bring it back into our, not only into our schools, but back into our parliament. Parliament always opens with prayer. The Greens are trying to stop that now. And so if it keeps pushing, if we don't know our heritage, we'll just fall for anything. But anyway, Emma, to answer your question, probably five years. Thanks so much for your call, Emma. Um, Could I ask that gentleman another one more question? Yeah, go for it. Well, go... Do you know the book you were talking about before to me over the wireless before? Is there a chance I can do is get a copy? 
because I can't get through to through internet, so I've got no way to get one. What do you reckon, Cole? Should we send her a copy? Yeah, I'll be happy to send her a copy. If you can just give Matt or somebody your address, yep. I'll send you a copy. We'll, we'll grab we'll grab Emma's info. How, how do you, what do you think of that, Emma? Hey, yeah, it's me. It's me. What do you think? You happy about that? Oh yeah. Could you get him? Could you get that gentleman there to sign his name on the to book? sign one? Oh my goodness! I'll see oh. if I can. All... What do you reckon, Cole? Yeah, I'll be happy to, Emma. I'll be happy to. It do. might be worth a bit of money on eBay then, hey? Thank you, Cole. Oh, oh, thank you very much. That. It might devalue it. <laughs> thank yeah, you, Emma. Just hold the line. We'll grab guys. your details, okay? Thank you. And if you'd like to call through one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen, and we're talking with Pastor Cole Stringer, aka Pastor Crocodile Dundee, talking about the importance of communicating our Christian heritage in schools. And uh, you can join the conversation right now. Call on 1-800-316-316. Uh, we've got Carolyn from near Cairns in Queensland. How are you, Carolyn? Oh, good, thanks. How, how can we help today? Um, I just want to make a comment. I'm a Christian Aboriginal, um, and I agree wholeheartedly about teaching our Christian heritage in the schools. But I just want to make a point from an Aboriginal point of view of mine um, is that it would be good that we need to, to be able to explain to our Aboriginal kids and even Aboriginal people to show the connection why Captain Cook came to Australia from God, the whole picture of God's point of view of um, us Aboriginal people receiving salvation through Jesus and to just be able to... Um, Show the connections, the biblical, you know, how, how, where and why. Like when I got saved, I just stick back to when I went to school as a child and I was taught about Captain Cook and the history of, of why he came to Australia. And to me back then it was just, you know, like Captain Cook and we were told, yeah, we were the natives and, you know, the Aboriginal people were the natives and what he found in Australia and that. And I never connected it up until I became a Christian. And when I asked my pastor, you know, to explain to me why and what it was necessary, and I was told that it went all the way back to the Tower of Babel over in the Middle East and that when they were building the tower to the table of Babel and God made everyone with the language, different languages and that somehow like our Aboriginal people we made our way over to Australia and then somehow our the Christianity, they didn't carry on Christianity but made their own culture in Australia and became Australia culture and that and then that was one of the reasons why God, God came to send the gospel back to Australia for us Aboriginal people over here to receive the gospel. And when, when it was explained to me like that and I connected up all the dots, I never had a problem with it ever since about Captain Cook coming to Australia. Because to me, he came here. to God used him to bring the gospel back to us, Aboriginal people. And I that's what I, I try and use that. I use that to explain that to my kids and my grandchildren, I'm, I'm now a great-grandmother, and I'm explaining that to my grandchildren 
that that's the reason why Captain Cook, God allowed him to come to Australia to seek out us because we were part of God's plan too for salvation. Well, certainly, you know, your people were part of God's plan for salvation. It's interesting, though, that the first uh, Christian to visit here was the Kiros, uh, a Portuguese explorer in 1606. And he comes down here and he calls uh, Australia, New Zealand, the islands of the Pacific, the Southland of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's in 1606. Now, the Dutch came, the Chinese came, Muslims came, all of these people came, but nobody ever stayed here. And it's interesting that, that God uses Christians, James Cook and the others, to bring the gospel down here. De Quiros wrote a book. He went back to Spain and he actually wrote a book. They told him, called him a liar. They put him in jail. But he wrote a book and one of the people that read that book was James Cook. And I believe that you can see the hand of God passing on to people like, like I say, James Cook. Uh, he comes down here. It, it's, and again, part of our heritage, like they arrive in um, the Sandwich Islands, the Friendly Islands, which is now Tahiti, and uh, the entire crew jump ship and run off with all the local ladies. But only one man stays faithful to his wife, and that's James Cook. And uh, Manning Clark writes that, that there's something, you know, different about the character of this man, that he, uh, a year apart, 11,000 miles away from his wife, he's the only one of the entire crew of two ships that stays loyal to their, their wives. And... Uh, the Queen of Tahiti comes aboard the ship, if you've seen the series on the ABC, and demands to have sexual relations with James Cook. And he said, it's not going to happen. He said, because I could never face my wife and my children again. He talks about the hand of God on his life. And I, I believe that that's, you know, uh, that he comes down here. Some of the people, and um, obviously, and you and I both know some terrible things were done, but there was also some men and women came with a right heart Charles Sturt loved the Aboriginal people. He talks about, you know, that there is a plan of God for these people. And, I, you know, you hear all the negative side, but there is another side to the story that never seems to be taught, and that's our Christian heritage. That's yes. the, the faith of our forefathers. Uh, you know, I had Aboriginal pastors in my church, Peter Morgan, some wonderful men. They loved God, you know loved their people, loved the nation, and that's what we desperately need, you know, things that will bring us together and unite us. The same with the light horse, the charge at Birashiba. You know, there were Aboriginal light horsemen, part of that. My grandfather was part of that. And afterwards he talks about, you know, that that's what brought them together. It doesn't matter what your colour is, your background is. You know, we're sons, we're daughters of God. And the Paul writes, there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no... Uh, you know, there's no black, there's no white. In the eyes of God, we're all exactly the same. Yes, I, I agree. And I just, um, I, so I never have a problem. From the day I was told that, I could see the dots, you know, the bigger picture. It's about God and eternity and he's sovereign overall. Yeah. And his sovereignty. And, and not only that, I saw God's love for us. I was so like, you know, I just felt so loved that God would not bypass us and leave us out. Absolutely. Like hey, he would, 
Hey, Carolyn, yeah. we're, we're out of time. It's about uh, time to play Focus on the Family. But thank you so much for your call. Thank you. God bless. Bye. And, Cole, it's been such a privilege to have you on the airways with us today, mate. Um, if people want to get a hold of your books, we, we sell them all at Vision Christian Store, don't we, hey? Yes, you do. And can you just email me Emma's address and I'll post her a book. Good on you, mate. You're a good man. God bless you, buddy. Thanks for your time. Thank you. God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.